0: your success is measured by the speed of implementation. So bouncing when you see a good deal is pivotal because someone else is going to take it.
1: Welcome to the Big Fat Real Estate Checks Podcast with Marco Kozlowski, where we help investors like you get the knowledge and skills you need to replace your J-O-B with passive cash flow for life.
2: Hey, Marco here. I really wanted to share with you our earlier podcast that we created. Now, our mics were not the best, but the content was really strong, and I know you will learn a lot. We had an absolute blast recording this, and I know you're absolutely going to love it as much as we loved recording it. This extremely content-rich information will not only give you the edge in your real estate investing business, but in everyday life. Enjoy. All right. Welcome to this episode where we're going to discuss the mistakes people make when buying a real estate the old-fashioned way versus we believe real estate should be purchased. So let's get into those uh, as quickly as possible. We've all bought real estate on my fearless panel of uh, Frank and Gabe. And let's get into what most people do that is actually incorrect, That, but common knowledge says it actually is correct. So Gabe, I'm going to go to you first. Tell me how you, how most people buy real estate or how you did it when you first started.
3: Well doing I mean, it. when I bought my house, I mean the first thing I did was call a realtor and they started asking me, well, things like what's your budget? How much do you want to pay? Have you gone to the bank and gotten pre-approved for a loan? How much home can you afford? And then the process kind of rolled through where we basically got to the homes that met those criteria and we bought and Put ourselves in a position where we got the maximum loan amount in order to buy. When it came to investment properties, I just it was kind of similar. Where it was, hey, this is a good deal; you should buy this. And then they send you to their own brokers, obviously because they know the recipe internally. And then they tell you, yeah, yeah, you can afford this. And I've even seen cases where they're just you know worked on the numbers you know or massage them a little bit so that it would pass the credit. and and, and that's it. And then after that, the process was, you know, you go to what we call a notary here or closing and that's it. And then you were, you were the owner and start making payments.
2: Mistake number one is if someone calls a real estate agent and looks for properties that are listed and says, you know, uh, and then gets pre-qualified by the agent versus the person taking control and tell them this is what we want to buy. Mm-hmm. When I think people buy a property. They get a small list of listed properties. They do a lot of research on the properties. Frank, I, I know that you're really good at doing research and spreadsheets. <laughs> I'm biting my tongue there, Marco. I'm biting my tongue. <laughs> <laughs> it's like
0: pouring salt on the wounds. You still do it. But you know what? It, it, it is it's a form of procrastination, if you want to call it. I did it for a sense of security because it was getting out of my comfort zone. So I did it. I researched the shit out of the property, the area, You know what kind of grass it grows, the school ratings, you know, what's the average temperature and uh, all that shit. How fast, you know, how quickly does a train go by there? Does it honk its horn? Traffic count if I could have. But I did that because it was procrastination. But like Mark, uh, like Gabe said, yeah, most people phone a realtor, which is already game over. You're buying it wrong, which goes against one of your principles, Marco, that you teach your students. If you are doing what everyone else does, you're going to end up like everyone else. And that's what we're not trying to do is end up like everyone else. So, yeah, getting a realtor is, is definitely, but that's, that's a common, it's not even a myth, that's a common uh, thought for someone to do. A thought yeah, process.
3: Conception, yeah.
0: Like now, I, I know in Canada, there's a lot of people with, you know, they're hanging on to their money because they, they don't trust the government and they don't know what the times are coming because we are due for some kind of economic downturn or correction. So people are scared to put their money somewhere. And what they're doing is, yeah, exactly what Gabe did. And, and we all did this as a realtor. Say so I'm looking for a property and they do the check boxes and, and you go there. The problem with that is that yeah, everyone else and their mother are in that same pool. And when that happens, I don't know about you in and, and, and Montreal, but in Toronto, if I'm selling my house for 1.2 million, there's a war to get it for 1.7 because
3: <laughs> you're going to be battling. It's going up. It's crazy. I'm not there yet. If we were there yet, I'd be selling my house right now.
0: Yeah, well, I I contemplate to sell my house and and, and I will because it's just cheaper down in the state. It's not even fair. But just on that notion on phoning the realtor, it's not your best bet. Finding those deals, that's, that's a different story, right? That's what you teach, Marco. And
2: it's not common knowledge to know that. It's simple, but it's not common knowledge. As soon as the property is on the market and on the MLS, it's not a good deal anymore. Because if someone has a property that has is for sale and they need to sell it quickly and they need to sell it at a discount they're most likely either going to try to sell it to themselves. If they don't want to do that, they're going to go to a real estate agent. Agent's going to pass around their internal list of buyers that already knows that they can close quickly, and it's going to go to them first. I'm on so many lists. Frank, you're on lists. Gabriel, you're on you know, a million lists as well. As soon as there's a property that's, that's not hit the market yet, we get notified first because A, the agent looks like a hero for finding a buyer before it hits the market, and B, they get a quick commission from cash buyers like us. The seller is willing to take less, And they want a quick sale. They don't want it on the market forever. They don't want a million people traipsing through their property necessarily. They just want it sold. And in some cases, they don't even want it on the market because if it's a multi, they don't want the tenants knowing it's on the market because then their tenants aren't going to pay anymore because they think there's a problem or there's going to be a change in management and they want to find somewhere that's stable to live. Or if it's a hotel, if it's on the market, you know, the employees might quit. If they're really good employees, they want stability. They want to stay somewhere where they know they're going to have a job. And they're going to start looking for another job, so a lot of the great opportunities, most great deals are not on the market at all so if and the key to buying to making money in real estate is to buy it right mm-hmm. and if you're going on the, on the MLS and asking for a realtor what's on the market well you're already starting in the wrong place you're buying retail now I have an unhealthy, I don't know about you guys, but I have an unhealthy relationship with Costco. I get aroused, which is it's bizarre because i'm almost aroused. Going to Costco—it's like some fetish for me, and I don't know why. I love Costco. I could, if I could just set my office up in Costco, I would probably be <laughs> a lot happier than I already am, and I'm pretty damn happy as it is. It's unhealthy.
3: You I like buying pallets, pallets don't you?
2: <laughs> I, I like buying pallets of shit that I don't even need. Like I have, I think, a pallet of sausages that's been there since 1946 but I am very proud of my pile of the sausages.
0: Um, I went you know, shopping with yeah, him I, at Costco. He's like a kid in a candy store. I'm, I'm playing, telling you, he, I'm
2: skipping around and it, it's terrible. It's you know when you have those
0: weird. big carts? They're already big, the carts. No, 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 not the cart. He wants to flat bend. <laughs> uh, yeah. the
2: cart's not good but enough. Yeah, I don't own a truck. I don't own a truck, but I'm probably gonna rent one one day, just so I going to Costco and buy everything in there, just because I want to, or just drive my truck around the aisles and just throw shit into there. That might be yeah. Yeah, He
0: he throws carcasses on those on that on that flatbed like it's no tomorrow and alcohol. It's it's crazy, but that's Marco and Costco. Yes, <laughs> where everyone knows his name. <laughs> <laughs> like
2: Cheers, only weirder. So yeah, yeah. so March. so yeah. The reason I bring this up not is to share my unusual. Uh, you know, love for Costco is because when I go to Costco, I know that I'm getting things pretty much close to wholesale and Costco buys things below wholesale. So you'd really need to look at the real estate investing business. Like you're going to like where Costco shops is where you want to find your property. So MLS is retail and Costco is wholesale. And you want to go where Costco shops in order to get your properties. Cause if you buy it at the right price, Market corrections, change in management, people disappearing in the middle of the night, you know, with pretty much everything, including the stove. You can recover from those things if you buy them right. But if you buy them at retail and you're paying retail prices, any small shift is going to kill you. It's going to decimate you because you're playing with very small profit margins uh, when you're buying retail and you want to avoid that at all costs. So going to a real estate agent, er, big mistake. Having a real estate agent give you a list of properties for you to do research on. Frank or Gabe, why don't you tell me why that's a terrible idea?
0: Well, number one, it's a big waste of time. And while you're collecting that data, so here's my issue. When I was doing that, yes, I had the spreadsheets. I'm over it, though. I'm over it. Doctor says I'm going to be just fine. But while I'm doing that, while you're doing that, gathering all this data, someone like you or Gabe are coming and snatching the property up. So by the time I have all my ducks in the row, my spreadsheet looks nice mm-hmm. and I got my headings and I go, okay, I want to make a deal. I want to, I, I want to make an offer. And like, well, that's, that's sold like two weeks ago. Uh, so someone's going to snatch it up before you do anything. So I like your philosophy where you shoot that aim because you can always aim later. Uh, you shoot that name, you take it down. It's, it's the speed of implementation. You say it often and it's true. Your success is measured by the speed of implementation. So, Bouncing when you see a good deal is pivotal because someone else is going to take it, and then you can work out all the nuts and bolts and all that later on once you have it on the contract and you secure it that way.
2: Frank, Another- uh, you know, what if the property's not in a good area, but Frank, what if uh, the the numbers are wrong? Frank, what if the roof is not okay? But Frank, uh, what if this is a problem? But Frank, what if on my spreadsheet over here it says that you know this is supposed to be that? What if it's not right, Frank? What if it's not accurate? What if the seller's lying? But what if? then... What if I make a mistake, Frank? What am I going to do? What's going to happen? If, save if, me, it's, Frank!
0: I know. If Frank, it's, save whatever, me! It's crazy,
1: <laughs> and it is.
0: It was. I was going on the probability and the and the ifs and buts. And That's funny. Yeah. if you go on ifs and buts, I realized actually not even very quickly, but I realized it's it's not helping my cause. It's actually hurting. It was hurting me. Yeah, you're
3: um, helping others. You're frank, yourself frank,
2: your I'm, not, I'm not pointing the gun at you, Frank. I'm, I'm, I'm saying that most people that get into real estate, they, they call a real estate agent, which is what you think you have to do. And like, let's just be clear here. I'm not poo-pooing real estate agents. We need them in our lives. I love real estate agents. Now, I'm not a real estate agent. Uh, none of us on this call a real estate agent, but I think they play an integral role, and I'm under no way shooting on real estate agents. I think they're important. But if you're a, a non-retail buyer, you don't need a real estate agent. If I'm going to sell a property, you damn skippy I'm going to use a real estate agent because I want top dollar and I don't want to deal with that shit. I want the agent to do the work so they can earn their commission, which is well earned. And I'm going to get a paycheck. They're going to get a commission It's done. When I'm selling, I'm going to sell retail. But when I'm buying... I don't want to buy retail. I want to buy below wholesale. So an agent in most cases is not going to help me. Now, does an agent have access to off-market properties if they know that you can close? Absolutely. So do I want relationships with agents? Yes, but not for the retail properties, for the off-market properties that they get access to. They know that we can write a check for and they send us a deal because one agent can feed you 10 deals a year. So it's not that I'm poo-pooing or none of us are poo real estate agents here. We love them. Just for the right process at the right time you know it's it's just how that works so
0: they are, um, they are de- oh sorry go ahead no no you go ahead no i was going to say agents are definitely still a component or, or a channel if you want to call it for getting properties to you and we just had i think it was just last month yeah, we work with a broker or realtor, again, like you said, to work on those pocket deals where it's not even listed on, on on the MLS. And they phone because agents and and some of them I have very good close relationships with, they tell us, they go, I don't want to put together a whole brochure with pictures and learn oh, about the market. You know how they get that nice brochure with, okay, this city has this employers and has this many people and so what they're doing my spreadsheets basically to make it look nice. They dread doing that. And they dread putting it on the MLS because they know, in the end, they're going to get a 1,000 phone calls. And they don't want that. They'll rather go to someone uh, like you, Marco, that, that knows they can close, that has the cash and close quickly, and say, hey, do you want this shit? This guy, just look at the cell. I haven't posted it. Because in the end, the
3: broker still wants to get paid. He wants to get his commission with less work. Like but it's an important else, right? point you're making, Frank, because you know we, we, we've talked about, whether on this episode or other episodes, that, that time is the real currency here. And that applies to everyone, including real estate agents. And for them, if they're able to sell something for you know, a fraction of the time that they have to put into it, then if they have to, like you said, you know, draft up an OM, take pictures, and then you know, put it up on the MLS and then have all the calls filtered by an assistant and, and so on and so forth it's the same thing for them. They want to save time and they want to make as much money for their time and increase their hourly rate because they're still theoretically working on a per deal rate or an hourly rate. So that time currency applies to everyone. And especially the real good real estate agents, the smart ones that pick up on that, they're working on building a buyer's list, a cash buyer's list rather than working on a, just, you know, on a list process and I'm picking up more sellers. Yeah. I think what we're trying to say that the,
0: the agents are not your goal to get all your leads. They're, that's just one of your funnel. It's basically a funnel. You're getting all these leads from different places and agents are, are one of them, one of many uh, that you can get. So like you said, time is currency. And another thing on that is too, is when you're buying is, especially for me, I got emotional and emotional on the area. I know I wasn't going to live there, but you still get emotional on that area. And that's why you're, I was doing a deep dive into the area, into the neighborhood, into the schools and all that. But then in the end, I know, Marco, you say this all the time is it doesn't matter where your dollars is coming from. A dollar is a dollar, whether it's coming from Flint, Michigan or Orlando, Florida, it's still a dollar. Now, I had a soft spot in my heart for Florida because I, I travel there frequently, right? Uh, the weather is nice or whatever, who doesn't like it? But it doesn't mean I have to have all my properties there. But And people typically shop on emotion. That's why impulse buying is, is so huge. Uh, but in the real estate business, it can actually kill you or deter you from getting more deals. Cause you're gravitated to learn all about that area. Meanwhile, someone else is bouncing on
3: it and emotions make you make mistakes. I mean, especially yep. when you're buying, you know, especially and, and and the good realtors, when you are into the, the process of buying, I guess the wrong way, which is calling up a realtor, you know how it is. It's uh, if you want this property, you got to make an offer, an offer close to asking because you know, there's like four more people looking at this and you know, they're about to make some offers. I got six visits tomorrow. So you might want to get this done quickly And they work on your emotions. That's sort of, you know, that's the way it's done. And it usually ends up being a mistake because you're buying it wrong. You're buying it for a lot more. And they also make you make an offer that has to be accepted. Whereas, you know, we like to work differently, right? We like to make offers that are refused. So it's just a different mindset in the way you approach a purchase.
2: I want to pick that up real quick. It's extremely important that you really pick up on this, that any offer that we make, anything, I've been preaching this for years, not very many people get it. And it's very sad. I can't tell you how many groups I'm part of on Facebook and on different channels. And everyone's excited when they get their offer accepted. And I'm like, you know, what's wrong with you? If I make an offer on something and it gets accepted, I pay too much. And you don't want an offer accepted ever and i think there's a fear of negotiation or you think that it's bad to negotiate or you think it's dirty or making an offer uh, that's low is going to just hurt someone's feelings and it's going to make you look worse just yesterday I, I have a seller call program where i do live calls and you can actually hear me negotiate in real time uh, there's a property that's worth well over $150,000 based on the income that it was generating uh, making up $15,000 net 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 a year And at a a ten percent return, which most people be very happy to get in most markets, um, you're looking at about one hundred and fifty thousand dollar piece of property. I made the offer at forty thousand and change. The person actually thanked me for making an offer. It's not how it's not the offer that makes a difference. It's how it's presented that makes a difference. And I'm making offers either via text or by email or using my own paperwork. This is also something that we can actually talk on for two hours, and we most likely will in another episode. Mm-hmm. But using your own paperwork is extremely important. You know, I don't know if Frank or Gabe want to talk about this, but a real estate agent's paperwork is designed to protect <coughs> not you as the buyer, but the agent and the broker and the seller. There are no cla- You can get sued for using the wrong paperwork. Um, you have to put a deposit that you can lose. There's a lot of clauses in there that are, have their meat hooks into you where you're going to be in Sh- up Shit's Creek. And I don't mean in the fun TV show way. I mean mm. really, in Shit's Creek, without um, a paddle, <laughs> no paddle involved in mind. Without, if you don't, and you're taking the real estate agent's advice, you're putting it on paper. And if you can't perform for whatever reason that are not even that are not even in your control, they can take everything you own for not performing on that contract. Mm-hmm. So but the
0: agent's not doing anything wrong, Marco. With their paperwork, they're obviously protecting their client who's paying their their commission. So their paperwork is obviously to protect the seller. So just going back on that point that we made earlier is you need to shoot and aim. You can't do that with a real estate agent's contract because it's very limited exit strategies. So yes, you could be losing your deposit. You could be uh, get sued for non-performance or whatever. So they're not doing anything wrong. So to get that straight, they're just protecting their client who's paying them, saying, hey, if we got a deal and we're wasting my time at my client's time, you're gonna pay for it. Now, yep. the paperwork that you master, then we keep crafting and, and changing. And I think we just changed it the other day. Yeah, constant but, evolution, man. <laughs> well, it, it is. And if you I think the, I think it's important if, if if we don't evolve with it and don't change it frequently, then we're putting risk on ourselves and on our students too. So it's always an evolving paper. So it's never going to stop. You're never going to have the final version. We never put final. We put the dates, right? Okay. So whenever we see a contract, we put the date because we know maybe in one week's time or two weeks, we're going to add something else there that something came across. Like, shit, we didn't think of this. Let's put it. So in the end, having a paperwork that will allow you to Marco, like shoot and then aim is pivotal because if you can't do that, you're not going to pounce on these deals right away. You're going to do what I did. The procrastination and looking into the I'm whole knowledge area, thinking that's right. I'm putting my money down. I, I got to make sure this is 100%. But again, it goes out. What if the seller's lying? What if the area is not what it is?
3: Frank, I just want to add something because when we say use our own paperwork or your own paperwork, and it doesn't mean that we're just protecting ourselves and that the seller is at risk here. Our paperwork protects both parties in the ways that if they perform what they're supposed to perform, then everybody wins. The paperwork that's usually provided to us by whatever state agency created the paperwork for the realtors, it protects the sellers only. Where at the end of the day, if the seller doesn't perform, there's very little risk for them. But if the buyer doesn't perform, then all the risk is on them. And what we're doing with our paperwork is we're kind of evening out or leveling the playing field so that it's fair for everyone. And so it's super important to mention that because a lot of times when I send paperwork or our paperwork to a realtor, you know, a seller looks at it and then wants to destroy it because it's so different than what they're used to. But once you make them understand, or if they go to their lawyers and have them review it, they'll notice that at the end of the day, their interests are also protected. It's just that it's also protecting us, which is something that's a little bit more different than a typical realtor agreement. That is very unusual. and I love the fact that we're using
2: the words paperwork and not contract, because whenever we're, however how we do one thing is how we do everything. And I don't call it a contract because if you give someone a contract, they want to read every word and there's going to be a lot more objection than if you say, can you please okay this paperwork? Okaying the paperwork is a very soft, very feminine energy, very non-confrontational that, oh, of course I will okay some paperwork. It's It doesn't sound as as daunting or as terrifying, or I have to read every word or I'm going to get screwed. So it's important to have the right, as I call them, investor contracts or investor paperwork that we have been working on for the last five years. It's not even the same agreement five years ago as it is today. In another year, it's going to be different again. It's
3: not even the, the thing we had last month. <laughs>
2: right. It changes constantly, it's evolving because we're constantly working on ourselves to be the best that we can be so we can disseminate this information to you and to make sure that you have the best possible tools to protect yourself and the the investment and your future investors, those that will give the money to the deal. We haven't even talked about asset-based lending yet or how that works because that's exclusively how we buy properties. It's not going to be credit-based lending where your credit's at risk is going to be the asset that is at risk, just like a pawn shop. If I want to uh, take this piece of jewelry and you know it's got a $100,000 value and a pawn shop's willing to give me $30,000 as a loan because it's just a loan. If I don't pay them back, they get a $100,000 piece of jewelry for 30 grand. If, if I'm even lucky enough to get 30 grand. So same thing in a property, they're going to lend you a certain percentage. Usually it's around 70% of the value. And if, you don't pay, guess what? You lose the property and you lose the cash flow. you lose the equity, you lose the depreciation, you lose the appreciation, you lose all the goodies that this property gives you. So you'd have to be slightly, you know, a little few screws, a little fries short of a happy meal to let that happen. But it happens because people are people and they're going to do whatever they want to do. So if we can just circle back just for a second. So A, going to real estate agent is only a good idea if you want to buy retail or if you want to buy off-market properties. Now there's a whole angle to going after agents to give you off-market properties. If I call up a real estate agent and say, I want some off-market properties and they don't know who you are, what you've done, how you've done it, I have access to cash. They're not going to risk their off-market property on someone that doesn't know what the hell they're talking about. So you have to get educated and know how to communicate that extremely effectively. So even though it might be your first deal, you know what to say, how to say it and what to say it in. So they give you, they have the confidence that you can actually close, which is going to be a whole other episode. The confidence of closing is so important. In fact, same reference back to the call that I did yesterday. I called this guy a month ago, made him an extremely low offer. He said no, but he thanked me anyway, and we've been going back and forth. And he dropped down to exactly where I want him to be by me saying no. Other offers have come in, but he says, I don't know if these guys can close. So he doesn't want to go with the other guys. We've had one two-minute conversation and a whole
3: bunch of text messages
2: and the guy just wants to sell it to me. And
3: again, he doesn't it, want to waste his time, right?
2: Because of time, he'd rather wait for the money. He wants real money and not waste his time. The guy has some medical issues that he needs to take care of, which is going to be another episode. It's going to be why people sell at huge discounts. Make sure you watch that because it's going to be a really important episode for you to understand and grasp why people discount the property 20, 30, 40, 50, 60% all the time. It happens all the time. It's not a one in a a million. It's quite common. And if you understand how to communicate well, you will be the one receiving those great deals because guess what? If someone discounts their property, someone's getting the deal and it's might as well be you, period drilling this back to, you know, to where we are here. So agents grade just for the understand what their function is and how to use them effectively. So they're making the most amount of money for their time. We want to respect their time. We don't want to make offers on one property, which is what most people do. You don't want to analyze the property, right? You're analyzing, 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 and then you're missing the boat. You want to be able to shoot quickly using the right paperwork. And if I'm looking at six properties, guess how many properties I'm going to make offers on? You guys know the answer? We do all six. <laughs> yeah, it's all six. We make offers on everything. Every single property that comes across our desk, we're gonna make an offer on. Not a high one, but a low one because we expect to get a what? I a
3: know. I a know. Exactly. Six no's. As many no's as that. possible. Mm-hmm. You Actually, can't make
2: you can't make money without N and O. You can't spell money without N and O. No is in money. So understand that. that.
0: That's correct. I just wanted to add on that with the paperwork and the agents. I think the biggest common mistake, even getting into this business or the mentality people have, is people's taught this, uh, Marco. Is your avatars. looking too motivated can can just as much as kill you like anything else. Looking motivated and not knowing how to talk is. is I know you always use the analogy of Shark Tank. Like you got to change roles. Basically, you're the one sitting on the panel like Kevin O'Leary. And you're letting the agent or uh, the wholesaler or the other leads doing the dancing and the Pinocchio things and trying to sell you. And that's a big mindset that people don't know otherwise. So they, they think they have to pitch the agent, why I want to buy this, but it's the other way around. And that was a big common mistake that people do is number one, looking too motivated uh, to have that property and being in control. Having that avatar that you're in control with the money, you decide whether you're going to buy it or not. You got to sell me.
2: And that's hard at first when you don't have any money, and you have to act like you have money because no one's going to give you a discount on a property unless they know you have money. But if you don't act like you have money, they're not going to give you a discount. But if you have no money, how do you know how to act like you have money? (laughs) If that makes sense, I hope. So you have to play that in slow mo. (laughs) But yeah, it's kind of a chicken and egg thing. And and anyway, you know, we're not going to deep dive into how to fix those things right now. I just want—I think awareness is the first step to. To fixing whatever issues one has, right? So the first, you know, is make offers on, don't analyze, make offers on absolutely everything make sure they're low offers. Uh, They can be soft offers. They can be done through email. They don't have to necessarily be done with a contract. Use the right contracts, use investor contracts. Those are worth their weight in gold. Those contracts have made and saved millions of dollars for myself and for every single person on this group actually. If it wasn't for the contracts, we we wouldn't be where we are actually. We would we would probably have lost our asses a long time ago. And what else? Not understanding what's negotiable, uh, the negotiable items like closing costs, like commissions, like everything is negotiable in a real estate transaction, absolutely everything down to even rental credits down to security deposits down to when we close credits at closing there's like we could spend i think three episodes just the closing process and i've seen thousands of transactions not only my own but the one the the people that i work with and I don't think I've seen one HUD that's accurate. Which is the statement that the closing statement. There's always mistakes on it, and just so many things that if you don't know what to do and don't know what, what to look for, can actually end up end up burning you. But for now, the solutions are, guys, boys, help me out. I feel like I'm just, I feel like I'm Frank.
0: I'm well, well, the whole the <laughs> whole topic is is basically common mistakes. So your your common mistakes is just relying on on realtors, even though they're still beneficial. Two is the paperwork. Mm-hmm. You know, having the proper paperwork is gonna save your bacon. And I think I believe all of us had what we shot and then aim later, but you know, do sellers lie? Of course they do. Mm-hmm. And because you're using that methodology to shoot and then aim, you realize later that the seller's full of shit. If the seller's saying that makes seven thousand five hundred and fifty-one dollars a month and you realize when you get it on the contract and you're asked for your due diligence and everything that, hey, man, we're not even close to that. Maybe that was a one month out of the whole 12 months. And that's, and, that's for if you get
3: your, and that's if you get your due diligence items, which is the reason your paperwork is super important.
0: Yeah. So you don't so, know what and, you don't know. And the paperwork saved our bacon where basically we can get our, our EMD back, our, our deposit back. Some of them, we even have other uh, strategies, which we're not going to get into now, but other strategies where we can, because they didn't perform or because they didn't do what the agreement says that they were going to do, what did that do? That wasted our time now and money and resources. So there's ways to get compensated for that. So again, we're not going to discuss it now, but so there's paperwork agents, uh, being emotional, shoot, then aim, which a lot of people don't do. And analyze. analyze on the thing, putting your emotions in front, which is a big obstacle and a common mistake people do. So once you have, at least those are some of the obstacles that I can pick up top of my head. I'm sure there's a well, making
3: offers to be accepted, you know, that's something yes. that's huge. Not making enough
2: offers. We have a philosophy of 100 offers an hour, which is unattainable, but that's the goal. So you want to get to as close as that as possible. If your goals aren't big enough, then, you know, if your goals should scare the shit out of you. Um, if they don't, then you need to aim bigger and, and think bigger.
1: Letting so
2: 100 offers an hour, if you get, you know, if you can do an offer a minute, which is basically an email, then you're at 60 do an offer every 30 seconds. See if you can do that, make offer, 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 offer. And once you understand that process, again, if you're making a hundred offers an hour at one point, someone is going to say, I can't take this, but I could take a little bit, I could take this. And now that those numbers start to get really exciting and we don't have to buy them in this specific. And the next one, Frank, that I think is important is location. If you're married to location, just because you think it's a great location, that's fine. The problem is, is what about all the other locations? Understand that a check from Arkansas cashes the che- same as a check from California.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, the properties in Arkansas or the properties in California, maybe you want to take a look at it once in a while, but if you're doing this right, you shouldn't be managing the property at all. That's a terrible use of your time. If you're managing assets yourself, that, that time should be used for finding other assets that you can make money on that, and, then another asset that you can make money on. And you should be paying the 10%, 9%, 8% a management fee. If the property makes Two hundred thousand dollars a year, and you know it's a ten percent management fee. You're basically trying to save twenty thousand dollars, and spending all your time dealing with Jerry Springer tenants to save twenty grand. Seriously, that's a terrible use of your time. You have a job. That means you can't go manage something else. You can't go buy something else. Pay the damn guy twenty thousand. The damn girl twenty k or whatever we're allowed to say these days. All right, <laughs> have Shim do it and do a great job. And manager Jerry Springer tenants, you're not taking any calls in the middle of the night, you know, saying clean my toilet because you're the, you're my landlord and you're my bitch. I've actually had that phone call, the landlord, the tenant calling me his bitch. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. And that's you know, I've made some of these mistakes myself. So, and you know, find the right management team that can do this. So if it's in California, Arkansas, or in Florida, doesn't matter where you live. If you live in Hong Kong or Singapore, who cares? Give a management company that's doing a good job. Then you just have to keep an eye on the management company or they're going to, you know, they could go sideways, but that's a different conversation. Yeah. Another, skill set. Uh, the, uh, another skill set that we could discuss on other episodes. There's so much to learn. It's exciting. If you, at one point you're going to enjoy learning things you don't know. At first I was scared of learning things I didn't know because I don't know them. Am I going to be any good at them? But now my strength is not knowing anything and just diving in. Like I can't, I love learning shit. I just don't know. I don't know about you guys, but same thing. Shit. it's exciting to learn when i see a deal that's falling apart and you know nine people are going to die unless this happens by the next week i'm excited like i want to see how i can get this resolved i love it The a challenge man listen
0: your, your success is measured the bigger the problem that you can solve for that seller because the seller is selling for for whatever reason and, and there's various reasons why they sell if you can connect the dots and help that seller you get rewarded, and a lot of people step away, and that's the whole thing. So people are looking for that perfect property. I, I was the same way. I, I gotta admit, I was looking for that perfect property with no issues, you know, shiny gutters, things like that. But uh, number one, it, it everyone else is looking for that, and like you said, if you're with the herd, you're like you're gonna be like everyone else finding and fixing those problems. Marco, like you said on the seller call that we you broadcasted quite a few of them, where it's like a shit show. But if you can figure out how to help that seller. And at the same time, even helping their agent make money, then it's a win-win situation. And those are the people that are walking away. So as people are walking away, you should be charging in. That's where the money is. The money is made when you buy. And maybe that's one of the other things. That's a misbelief. It's not when you sell. It's when you buy. Because if you bought it wrong and you pay too much, and it's in a maybe in a shit location with a bad management, that you lost your money on the buy. There's nothing that you can do, or very little things you can do, to get your money back, and and that's a big myth. You make your money when you sell. You make your money when you buy.
3: If you yeah, make your you money see. when you sell, you think of making money when you sell. You're speculating, and that's a whole other business. You're,
2: and, then you're, you're in stock. You're in this.
0: your
3: speculation
2: business. You're playing stocks. Yeah, you're playing the stock market, and stock market is the, the thing that plays against you in stocks, or it plays for you is time. And I know so many people that are, you know, playing in micro going, you know, buy, sell, buy, sell, buy, sell. They're, they're constantly going through this cycle. That also takes time. I would rather just buy the right property for the right price one time. It pay me every single month. I get a tax break. It's going up in value and I'm paying off the property with the mortgage. And still making a shit ton of cash and then just buy more, buy more, buy more. And at one point, you just don't know what to do with the money, which is a new problem, which we're also going to discuss on this, because once you start making money, what the hell do you do with it? Because money by itself is actually worth less. We're going to talk about money and the value of money uh, on future episodes, but... Right now, we're going to stick to sort of the, the common mistakes and sort of the myths around buying real estate. And anyone can get involved. You just have to learn what to do and learn what not to do. We're blessed that we're able to guide uh, whoever wants to to be guided then how to do this. And again, if you want to use us or somebody else, we don't care. Just get the right instruction to be able to do this the right way. Actually, I
0: wanted to well, ask that, Marco, sure. you had before yeah. uh, where people were just buying their, where someone's calling you their bitch. <laughs> Yep. I thought that was, uh, it's actually better than, right. well, people just gravitate to buy close to maybe in driving distance in case they got to go to the property or whatever. Yeah,
2: hey, right. I, I want to look at it. I want to touch it. I want to lick it. I want to hump it. Like, <laughs> I want this property to be right. <laughs> again, it's
0: going out of that, that comfort zone saying, oh my goodness, if it's not close, if I'm not doing it because you're the only one that can do it, if I I'm not doing it, you can do it. And that's a big misconception that's bad. Actually, in fact, it's probably better buying a property if you're on one end of the country, buying on the other end of the country. So it's not easy for you to even get there. Uh, And once you get over that hurdle or that obstacle in your head that you need to be there and you can do it better than everyone else, you can't do it better. There's professional people that do it. You pay them to take care of that shit. So you're not
3: someone's bitch. And they're better at it than you are anyways, right? Like that's,
0: Absolutely. Hey, listen, my wife says, stick to what you know. And, and I don't know much. And I stick to that. And that's going to be laser focused on things, right? You stick to what you know, and that's it. I'm not trying to pretend to be the property manager, fixing toilets, doing the accounting, the CPA, doing forecasting. doing No way, man. I don't want to be jack of all trades. And, and when you do that, you're going to
2: crash and burn. And uh, I know there's people listening. Sorry, Frank, to interrupt you, but I know there's people listening right now going, well, you know, my management company's going to, I've been screwed by a management company. So it's, you know, I know I'm, I, I got to, you know, do this myself. Cause if you want done something done right, you got to do this yourself. And I'm going to save so much money by being the management company and doing this myself. I'm going to save so much money. You're not saving money. You're actually losing money. And look, I had a terrible wife, but I'm not going to men because I had a bad experience with a wife. Mm -hmm. So that's the same logic. Just because you have one bad experience with one person doesn't mean that everyone like that is bad. You just have to do your due diligence better on who's managing your property. So look, if you've tried women and you prefer men, then good for you. I've not made that leap, but it's the same logic. It's the opportunity cost that they're not thinking of,
0: Marco. So you may think you're saving money that whatever, 20,000, 30,000, 40,000 or 10% on the property manager, but what they're not factoring in and, and I was just as guilty. Is shit all the time that you're spending managing the manager or doing the management job? You're losing that opportunity to talk to someone else or to look for your next deal. That's tenfold right there. Yeah, so you're really actually, you know, I rather double what my manager's doing just so I can free up that time. And again, again, doing full circle. The reason you're doing this is to free up your time, not to look for another job. And if you can't walk away, so I know one of my mentors said if you can't walk away from your business and still make money, you don't have a business. So if you yeah. can't walk away today or next week or fuck off or uh, yeah. three weeks to whatever Italy to see the paisans, eat some pasta, then and you're not making money during that period, you don't have a business. You, you just create a job for yourself. Yeah. You and want your it. boss is you,
2: which is probably the worst boss. Yeah. Most people are their own boss and their boss is an asshole. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot of things said here. So if we distill this, uh, do we want to buy retail or below wholesale? Do we want to buy below wholesale. Uh, do we want to make offers on one property or a lot of properties? A lot of properties. When do we want to start researching the properties and the areas? My recommendation is after or while it's in due diligence, check the numbers first. If the numbers check out, after the numbers, then we check uh, condition of the property and then work out management and. Make sure you're in control of the closing process, and if you understand asset-based lending, which we're going to discuss in another episode, your budget is limitless to buy as many properties as you want. You can buy 10 properties tomorrow if you found the right properties at the right deals. And we're all working from the same pool. We're all using the same lenders. It doesn't matter what your credit is. If you have great credit, you have different options, but at the end of the day, I don't really want to use my credit to buy properties. I want to use somebody else's money and no credit whatsoever. So you're really only limited by the time that you have. And I think the common thread here on uh, most of the episodes that you're going to hear, you've heard some already in the past or have, or are just now starting to listen to these things, is time is the real asset that we have. It's really the only thing. We can make money and lose money, but time we can never get back. And we're trying to full-time... Save as much time as possible. Help others around us save time so we can make as much money as possible in the shortest amount of time so we can enjoy the rest of our lives. Don't die 17 days or 17 months before retirement. Does it happen? Yes. Do we want that to happen to you? Absolutely not. So I think with that said, uh, boys and girls, uh, I think this was a, a decent episode and I hope you guys learned a lot. And if there's anything we can help you with, uh, you know how to find us. Thanks for tuning in. Talk soon.
1: If you like this episode of Big Fat Real Estate Checks, then show some love by leaving a comment and a good rating. Also, as a thank you for tuning in today, we've got a special free gift. The journey to passive cash flow for life starts by finding deals and it's easier than you think. Simply go to getdealsbytuesday.com, enter your email address, and we'll send you a free quick start course called Deals by Tuesday, even if it's 11 p.m. Monday night. This course will show you how to find discounted real estate deals by Tuesday. It's that fast and simple. Go to getdealsbytuesday.com and start your journey toward life-changing cash flow today. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you on the next episode.